Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. We're for the next three weeks speaking into certain issues of spirituality, which both people that aren't Christians struggle with and Christians struggle with. So maybe you're here and you were forced here because someone in your family was being baptized. Maybe you were uh, kind of, uh, your friend offered you breakfast if you came with. So you're kind of sitting here just wanting to get through the service. You think I'm going to preach on the fruits that grow in Jerusalem or the redemption through the blood. And you're like, I don't know what that means. But I want to say, if you're, if you're totally unchurched, you're far from God, you... But, but, this is, this is the right place for you. Welcome. We're happy you're here. And what I speak about today over the next three weeks would apply to your life even if you're in that place in your journey. And so if you're there, this is for you today. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this is for you today. Because over the next three weeks, I want to demystify faith. I want to demystify finance. Woo! The church wants your money, really. Well, let's talk about it. Okay, why does God want my money? It's Old Testament, Malachi 3.10, that's law stuff. We don't do that. You know, like all this stuff, you know. And then I want to demystify family, and very specifically, I want to demystify a marriage relationship. Okay, because happily ever often, soulmates are a lie from the devil. I want to liberate some of you and set you free. Some of you are going to walk out of here in week three and go, we're normal, babe. We're normal, thank you, Jesus. And so I'm going to demystify faith, finance, and family. And today, I want to spend 15 minutes, and I'm trusting that as I speak on faith, I will give you a perspective that demystifies some of the thinking that we have around the idea. Uh, If you're not a follower of Jesus and you've captured a moment of TBN and heard something on faith that might have put you in a position where you had a lot of criticism, I do too. Because a lot of the time, the way we understand faith is so distorted and wrong. And so I want to look at this for just a moment, and I want to begin by sharing a story that happened five years ago, around five years ago. Uh, I was pastoring a church on the West Coast, and five years ago, there was this incredible family in the church that we were pastoring. They were all highly involved. The, the mother and father were now at retirement age, and they'd become grandparents, so they were a mom and a dad, husband and wife, and a granny and grandpa, and uh, they were highly involved. The husband was involved with like fixing, repairing. He built a, a baptism font for us with a built-in pump and all of this stuff, and the wife was one of our high-level counselors that had her expertise in counseling, and she was like, every time I saw her, I'd say, oh, you're so incredible. She's like an angel when she'd walk in a room, this older lady with just this, this presence around her, and, and then they were preparing that year for their retirement. They were both 60, and they'd done really well with, with business and work, and he was busy building a camper for them to go traveling and living out in the Karoo and, and exploring the world around them, and they grandchildren were going to be raised, and then that very year, this family that would epitomize the idea of Christians on a, on a Christmas card suddenly found out some tragic news, and, and she was diagnosed with, with pancreas cancer, but it was aggressive, and it had gone everywhere, and here is this good woman who loved Jesus, gave her life for the sake of others. Even if she wasn't a Christian, she was a good person. And she still had all her grandchildren to watch grow up. She had just prepared for a retirement of exploring and camping and traveling throughout South Africa. She was ready to, and and she's got this cancer. 
And so what we do is suddenly as a church, we're like, man, we're going to get on board. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to be with her. We're believing in Jesus' name. We, we, we're referencing Isaiah. By his stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name. We're ranting and raving. We're anointing. We're doing all everything you can do. We start a journey and family very often in these situations grab at hope in whatever form they can, even when it's completely unrealistic. And family are grabbing to the idea saying, you know, God's got a testimony in this and, and, and she's going to get healed. I, I absolutely believe it. And this is going to be a testimony. And, and so we're going amen and believing. And then, and then we start doing all we can in our strength to believe God to heal her. I'm like, in Jesus' name, you're going to heal her. And I exert and strive to, to dig up this energy of belief in God to heal her. And I'm like, I'm like finding it from inside me. And I'm striving, God, in Jesus' name, she's going to be healed. I'm laying hands on her. I remember it was just before Christmas sitting with her. And she was deteriorating. And I asked her a question. I said, what would you like for Christmas this year? And of course, I knew her answer. And she said, I want God to heal me. And I remember sitting with her, holding her hands and praying for God to be sovereign and to do something far beyond what we could understand. And I prayed for her deliverance. I prayed for her restoration. And it was a few months after that that I got a phone call and rushed to the house and stood with a family surrounding her bed as she breathed her last breath. We closed her eyes and put the blanket over her and the family went and sat in the lounge just trying to kind of make sense of what just happened. One of them calling the, the, the guys for all the legal stuff and the body needed to be fetched. And, and uh, I walked away from there as, as uh, uh, someone that believed God by faith to do the supernatural. I had believed for a healing. I had prayed for a healing, but it didn't happen. And I was left asking myself the question, had my faith failed me? Had my faith failed me? Or had God failed me? Because God, you say, and I was told that by your stripes we're healed, because that's what the Bible says. And then people told me, if I have enough faith, then you will do supernatural stuff, and you didn't do it. But maybe in that whole experience, it was actually my faith that was misunderstood. You see, I had assumed in that experience that my effort to believe hard enough determined whether God's miraculous would manifest. How often are we taught that's how you have faith? In Jesus' name right now, I believe you can buy a book on positive thinking and work it out, striving in your own strength to do that. See, I'd forgotten that Jesus referred to a mountain being moved with faith as small as a mustard seed. And in essence, my understanding of faith during that period of my life had been based on my striving. It had been based on my striving and my ability to believe somehow. That if God didn't do what I was believing for, it wasn't God's fault because God always does what he says. It was my fault because I couldn't believe enough. And then God began to lead me to an accurate understanding of faith. And I began to understand that faith is a quiet, thoughtful trust in the God who is known to be trustworthy. I came to understand that true faith was not something was not for something, I want you to hear this, 
I began to understand that true faith was not for something, but through everything. I want you to get that. I began to understand that true faith was not for something necessarily, but through everything. Because the power of my faith is in its object, which as a follower of Jesus is the person of Jesus Christ. The power of my faith is in the object, not the outcome. It's in believing in a good father when my world is bad. Because true faith is not just something, but through everything. Meaning that the Psalms written in Psalm 23, verse 4 to 6, apply directly to the darkest moments that you go through. Because even when I walk through the darkest valley, it says, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. I came to realize that my faith is not in God calming the storm, but remaining with me through it. Because true faith is not just for something, but through everything. I began to understand that my faith is not in darkness being removed, but a God who is with me through the valley of darkness I face. Verse 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And I came to understand that my faith was in God's provision of sustenance amidst the attack, not necessarily absent from it. Oh God, you're not with me because the attack is not stopping. When in fact God is saying it's not about the attack stopping. It's about you trusting me to sustain you in the middle of the attack. It goes on to say, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will live forever. And at that I came to realize that even if circumstances led to my death, like was the case for the amazing mother in the story I shared, that it was then Jesus who would lead me into my ultimate deliverance, into eternity, whole, healed, and victorious. For if death is not my ultimate foe, then anything less than death is truly a small enemy. I wonder if God answered my prayer beyond what I could have asked or imagined by taking the life of that woman rather than healing her in her physical body. Yet me in my human understanding would be very quick to complain or think I lacked faith as though it was something I was supposed to strive for or God had let me down and not kept his side of the promise. Faith is a quiet, thoughtful trust in the God who is known to be trustworthy. In darkness, in the presence of our enemies, and even in death. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible, it goes through a list of men and women in the Bible that had performed great acts through faith in God. And it speaks about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham went when God called him. By faith, Moses left Egypt and, and rescued the Israelites. And it goes on this whole list of all these legends in the hall of faith. And right at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, we get to verse 13. That concludes with this strange and almost counterintuitive scripture when it says, all these people, that list of people in the hall of faith, all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
They didn't receive the things God had promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a long way off. They openly said that they were outsiders and strangers on earth. And here is the reality. Here is the reality. You and I live on our timeline. The day you were born, you celebrate every year. And the day you die, you will have a tombstone somewhere. And what would have meant everything to you, what would have determined success and victories is everything that happens between the dash on that tombstone from the day you were born and the day you died. And what you and I do is we live in the middle of the day we were born and the day we died. And God says to us, will you frame that small portion of your existence in time and space on the frame of faith? Will you believe that somehow when in the darkness, it doesn't make sense? On your timeline, it looks like defeat. Would you believe by faith that maybe I am there and I'm doing something and I've got this even when you feel like you've failed or fallen apart? Can we frame that timeline in faith? But the problem is that very often we frame our faith within the boundaries of our human experience. We rather make it the other way around. See, faith has to make sense to us. We want faith to make sense, and we can only make sense of what exists within the day we were born and the day we died. So if death arises, it's stealing from who we are on the face of the planet rather than becoming the ultimate form of deliverance into eternity. But maybe if we changed and began to live that way, understanding the sovereign hand of God by faith was with us in the midst of the darkest valley, even to the point of death, things would change. Because Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, God himself declares that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. So how do you ever think you're able to make sense of the work of God amidst your human experience and limitations? But to frame your small life and your human experience in a faith that sees eternity and not just the day you were born and die in your flesh, that is to embrace a true faith regardless of the valley of shadow of death that you might face. Our faith requires surrendering to heaven's hand on earth, not striving to make sense of heaven on earth. Instead of striving for salvation from the storm you are in, we can surrender to our Savior's sovereignty through it. Philippians 4.13 as I land. Philippians 4.13. We love this verse. Christians love this verse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Woo! So guess what we do? We start something, and like we're doing our thing, our thing, and then like it's not working out, so we're like, no, I'm going to do this. Lord, you say in your word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this is the problem with that interpretation. We interpret it like this. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. That's literally how we interpret it. I can do anything through Christ. So I can do anything that I plan and think is right. You know, I can, no, 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 no. There is a pathway for your life. There is a Psalm 23 for your life. And it begins with the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it ends with you one day, because just throwing it out there, we're all gonna die. So so somewhere it has to end with, and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. So, There is a Psalm 23 for your life and my life. 
that's busy being written. A Psalm 23. And it's in the context of that that you can do all things. I can have all victory in my season of darkness. I can have all hope in my season of death. I can have all courage in my season of attack from the enemy. Because I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. For my faith is no longer driven by striving for outcomes, but in the object who is God, Jesus Christ, risen and alive. Meaning when there is sickness, I can still look at the healer. When there is death, I can still look at the Savior. And so my question to all of us today is this. What things in your life are you facing right now? What things are you facing right now? Some of us are facing a season of darkness. We're struggling in our marriages. We're not speaking about it. But our hearts are hurt and we're afraid. Some of us have illnesses and we need treatment so that it doesn't end in death. And we're afraid what's going to happen. And am I going to get healed? Is it? Some of us are moving to different areas and it's this whole new experience. Some of us are believing for the future, but the demons from the past are telling us that we're never gonna get there. Some of us have failed and we felt like we've disqualified ourselves from God and we've come in this morning and we're kind of just here checking it out, but our hearts are away from God because of fear of being condemned for where we failed. What are you facing right now? Because perhaps our faith should not be in God removing the things we face, but His strength allowing us to go through them. Because even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And even if the final result within my earthly life is its end in death, because of faith, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. For if death is not my ultimate foe, then anything less than death is truly a small enemy. Would you close your eyes with me right now? Would you open your heart big to God? My God, you see every story, every valley and every season that each person here is in. Father God, you know the struggles and the reality of their human experience. Father, I feel like you want to set some people free from striving to try and get out of their struggles and begin finding you in the middle of them. I pray, Father, that you would write testimonies in the middle of the places where people are looking at a tomb. I pray, my God, that we would see people that suffer with depression sharing the hope they find in darkness through Christ rather than trying to fix it in their own strength. I pray, Father God, that you would be the good shepherd right now and take the hands of men and women that right now need to be led through their Psalm 23. And so we surrender, my God, to your mighty hand and ask that you would take over 
and that with your ways and not our ways and with your thoughts and not our thoughts, you would lead us sovereignly with the context of eternity while our context is only time and space. I pray that by your grace and mercy, you would take our lives in your hand. I pray for a peace that we can walk through wherever we are alongside you. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to talk to another group of people. So maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've always understood this Christian thing as a religious choice for people that want to like fix their lives or find a hope somewhere. But I want you to know that Jesus doesn't want to invite you into religion, but into a relationship with Him. I want you to know that God loved you so much that it says in the Bible, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Not when you became a perfect saint. I want you to know that God's word said that his power is made perfect in your weakness. And so if you're a weak sinner here today, just like me and everyone else, and you're saying, I've never known Jesus in a personal relationship. And today you want to say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Let your power be made perfect where I'm weak. Be my Lord and Savior. Give me eternal life and let me start living in eternal significance in my human experience. You can experience that right now through Christ by calling on the name of the Lord. And I would love the privilege of leading you in a moment where you can call on the name of the Lord right now and be saved if you've never done that. And so I'm going to pray a general prayer calling on the name of the Lord for everyone. But if as I pray over us, you're sitting here going, Grant, today I want to specifically pray this prayer from my heart to God. I want to ask him to be my Lord and Savior for the first time. I would love to, as I pray this generally, just acknowledge you by asking you to put up your hand and put it down. So as I pray, you're praying from your heart as I pray over everyone. So if you're here right now, St. Grant, include me in that prayer. Would you just raise your hand from left and right so that I can see you? Thank you. I see those three hands, those four hands here. Are there others right now? I see that fifth hand on the left. Right now, you're saying, include me, Grant, please. I'm calling on the name of the Lord. I want to be saved. Thank you. I see that sixth hand. Thank you. I see that hand in the middle here. Let me pray. You pray from your heart back to God right now. Lord Jesus, I come before you and I confess that I'm a sinner, that I am imperfect, don't have it all together, and that I'm in need of a Savior and I can't do this in my own strength. Lord Jesus, this morning, I acknowledge that you are God, the Savior, and I invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus Christ, take my life, fill me with your Spirit, and lead me from this point on. I give my life to you in the name of Jesus. Father God, for every person that raised their hand, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come down with a fire that would burn in their minds, that would cement this moment of commitment and devotion. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would work and guide them and lead them. They would look back, see the power of Good Shepherd that led them into all fullness in Jesus' name. And God's people said together, Amen. Amen.